I'm Aaron. This is Paul. This is Wayne. Congratulations, dear listener, because since you're listening to this, one of two things has happened. One, our website hosted at Spooky Outhouse, that's ideologyofmadness.spookyouthouse.com. You probably get there from ideologyofmadness.com, which uh, previously has redirected there, has been, that feed has been miraculously restored, hailed from the tomb like Lazarus. But more than likely, you have found us at our all-new site, iomgeek.com. Woo! iomgeek.com, your home for geeky goodness. Absolutely. So we are, we've been up at iomgeek.com for a little while now, working on transition. We are still in the process of transition. So if you see some missing material, some missing content, don't sweat it. We're working on it. However, all new episodes going forward will be at iomgeek.com. We're going to have separate feeds for our funny books, our Rainsboro, our APs, our Three Beers and a Scotch, and now our brand new Four Hauntsmen podcast that I'm on um, is a separate feed housed at iomgeek.com. Um, and, and the separate feeds has been a feature that has been requested for a great long time. In fact, you know, the podcast is eight years old and for eight years <laughs> we have listened to your cries for separate feeds. And so, you know, it, it, while it may take us forever to listen to you, we've heard you, my friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, we, we listen. We just don't do anything about it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, well, and on top of that, if you are getting about this through YouTube, this is actually the first podcast that we are going to release on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash ideology of madness. Um, I mentioned Four Hauntsmen. We released that on YouTube. Uh, has a pretty decent following there. And uh, so we're just going to try it out for a couple of episodes. See if you guys like it. If you are listening through YouTube, please leave a comment uh, down below on the YouTube comments and let us know, you know, um, what you think of the show. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll kind of if, if it's successful, we'll, we'll keep doing it there so that, um, you know, some folks uh, don't necessarily have iTunes or Stitcher or don't necessarily listen to podcasts, but they'll they'll play a YouTube video in the background at work or something like that. And so we're going to try that out and see what you guys think. So, now, Paul, you know, for if, people if who don't know, like, say, me, what is your Four Hauntsmen podcast? Sounds horror related. It is my horror podcast. So uh, it's actually kind of a um, it's almost like a super group. Uh, we, we've got four guys. Duh, Four Hauntsmen. Um, so it's me. It's Kyle from the YouTube channel View from the Cheap Seats. Drew from InsideUniversal.com. And Nathan. Um and so what we do is we, we started getting together uh, with the intention of talking about Halloween Horror Nights, the annual uh, Halloween event that I visit down in Florida. But to ensure that we aren't just recording for one month a year, we have expanded the scope. We're talking about other different haunt events. We're talking about horror news, horror movies, stuff like that. So it is a horror podcast. We just um, released our second episode this past week. You can get at that. Um, on YouTube as well, or, uh, or check out Twitter at Four Hauntsmen. It's on every podcast thing. It's on iTunes. It's on Stitcher. It's on Google Play. It's everywhere. So um, check that out as and well. Of, and of course, you can find it at iomgeek.com. Exactly. So uh, I know that sounds like a plug, but you know the website's been down for about a week now um, at spookyouthouse.com, and uh, you know we, we we are not entirely sure why, but this has been a long time coming to come to iomgeek.com. It's a faster website. Um, it's prettier. Um, I think you guys will really enjoy it, and um, you know the new and layout, we've got the a new lot, format. Yeah, and we've got a lot more control over the uh, the formatting there, so you you know we can we can respond a lot quicker to requests. So anyway, uh, check it out. 
iomgeek.com, and eventually, if it hasn't happened already, ideologyofmadness.com will redirect you there. Great. Pretty exciting stuff. It is. You know what else is exciting, Aaron? Oh my God, Paul, what else is exciting? San Diego Comic-Con started this Thursday, and there's a bunch of new... Now, we are recording this Saturday morning, and as you know, most movie and TV news kind of comes out on Saturday and Sunday, so um, not a ton of news really yet, but um, there's been a couple of things, but I want to start by saying that every year on the first day of San Diego Comic-Con... Um, there, uh, there are a bunch of stores, uh, namely Barnes & Noble, Hot Topic, FYE, uh, Toys R Us, Amazon, Target, Walmart, um, that have shared exclusives with San Diego Comic-Con. Um, so stuff that you can usually only get at San Diego Comic-Con, they release at these stores. Um, now, in previous years, Barnes & Noble specifically has had shared exclusives from Diamond Select and DC Collectibles and stuff like that. But I got to say, this year... It was primarily just Funko Pops, um, which was a bit of a disappointment for me. I actually, as opposed to last year where I spent an ass bag of money, this year I only bought two things. Um, and so uh, this year uh, I went to, I started my day at Target um, before realizing the Target shared exclusives were online only. Would have been nice to know that ahead of time. Um, but then I went to Barnes & Noble. And I gotta tell you, Funko Pop collectors are some cray-cray people. Things got ugly at Barnes and Noble. Really? Yeah. For Funko Pops. For Funko Pops. Now, I, I did record a video for the YouTube channel. Like I said, youtube.com slash ideology of madness. I don't know if I'm going to release it. I have to review the footage because, like I said, I only bought two things. So it's like it's a bunch of footage of me going into a store and not buying stuff. So I don't know how interesting that's going to be. Um, but I did get some footage inside Barnes and Noble. When they opened the door, they put all the Funko Pops on one table and basically people swarmed the table and literally like smacked the out of other people's hands and really? um, got very aggressive. Um, like a whole cabbage patch doll thing. Yeah. Huh? And then and then <laughs> Barnes & Noble came over the loudspeaker and said, hey guys, just so you know, you can only get two of these. Not two of each, two. And that caused a bit of a ruckus as well. So things got a little ugly at the Barnes & Noble. Luckily, wow. I wasn't buying anything there, but um, I, I did get some footage. So we'll see how it came out. Um, what I ended up picking up was I picked up a uh, Chippendale, like... Not, yeah, not, not the stripper, Chip, <laughs> Chip and Dale um, from FYE. And I picked up the Aquaman holding a mother box from the new Justice League movie that was available at Walmart. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. You know, I, I think the thing that I find the most astonishing about that story, Paul, is that there are still Barnes and Nobles. <laughs> <laughs> I, there's still a bunch of them here. I go there all the time. I just uh, I, I, I'm always amazed that uh, there are still big box bookstores. So it just surprised not that I'm opposed to them. I just, you know, I haven't been into a into a big box bookstore in a long time. Yeah, I mean, I, a very know, long time. The, the, my uh, my Barnes and Noble membership, you know, the, the, the discount card yeah. was going to expire that day. And the guy's like, do you want to renew it? I'm like, dude, I think the last time I was here <laughs> was, was last San Diego Comic-Con last year. So I'm a pass on yeah. this one. Um, so Paul, you 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 had a pretty a, a pretty geeky week because uh, earlier this week you were in town, my town, yes, uh, uh, enjoying some uh, Six Flags theme park, riding the riding the Superman's Tower of Power. 
Yes. So um, that's that is on our YouTube channel now, actually. Um, so uh, at least the first of two parts. I, I put all the superhero rides in one video. Um, so I went there uh, on Tuesday evening and I got a chance to ride Justice League, Superman Tower of Power, the new Joker roller coaster, Batman, Mr. Freeze, a um, bunch of other stuff. I had a great time. Um, it was 105 fucking degrees. Uh, yeah, it ball ball melting hot. Yeah. Um, oh, it, that, that is. Yeah, Paul was oh. like, you got to come with me. I'm like, no, no. It, it was so hot. <laughs> so, you know, I, I say this because I paid for my ticket. <laughs> so I can say this. Um, you know, Six Flags Over Texas is a bit of a death park. <laughs> a, a lot of death happens in that park. Um, you know, there, a woman, di uh, someone did die on the Tower of Power in a freak accident. Um, someone apparently fell out of a roller coaster a couple months back, and people got stuck on the brand new Joker roller coaster for four hours on opening day. A couple of years ago, some a girl got her legs cut off on one of the roller coasters. Yeah. So yeah, no, absolutely, it is it is a fitting theme park for discussion on your Four Huntsman podcast. Paul. <laughs> it is, it it's, is. Holy shit, it's a, it's a horrific place. <laughs> yeah, I bet Paul, being a uh, theme park guy, you've probably been out to the site. There's a site dedicated to all of the deaths at various theme parks. Oh, geez. And yeah. that is one of the higher ones on the list. Yeah, yeah. So I, I was taking my life in my own hands. And thankfully, I made it out unscathed. But I did see a guy pass out, fall onto the pavement, and bust his head open. So yeah. that happened. So, yeah. so whereas I survived, I, I'm not sure everyone else did that day. Yeah. Um, like I said, it was 105 degrees real feel. Um, definitely a hot ass day, but I was, I was able to hit everything. Um, the longest line I had to wait on was justice league, um, which was only 20 minutes. Everything else was walk on. So I was able to knock that park out in about three hours and I did have a good time. It is on the YouTube channel. Check it out. It's a lot of fun. Um, you know, I, again, I didn't die, <laughs> but, but you might, <laughs> So, you know, maybe next to, time to kick off Paul's, uh, you know, excursion here in Dallas this week, uh, we had him over for dinner and uh, we, 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 we grilled steaks. We, uh, we, we, we baked him a cake, um, you know, fed him, fed him uh, liquor, uh, you know, so, so, so we treated Paul well. And I was thinking, you know, wow, we, we, we really, you know, uh, uh, put, put on a, a nice feedback for, for Paul when he was here. I wonder what we might do for Wayne if Wayne were to come. And I'm thinking, Fried bologna sandwich. Oh, fried bologna is pretty good. <laughs> uh, order out pizza. I, Little Caesars. I, I take the order out pizza instead. <laughs> or f food at Chica's Locas. Uh, some uh, wings, some hot wings. Well, they do have tacos there at Chica's Locas. <laughs> so you know, I was reading an article in Texas Monthly, and strangely enough. You know, they rated the top 140 taco places in Texas. Chicas Locus didn't didn't rate. I don't I don't get it. It must have been 141st. I'm sure it was. It, it just missed it. So, you know, we were talking, um, We you know, we had mentioned that San Diego Comic-Con had started. And so some news has come out um, and some of it's very interesting. So I thought I'd bring up a couple of the, the, the items here for us to chat about today. Yes, sir. Um, first of all. Uh, they they have announced that there is a Spawn movie finally happening. Now, I know we've heard this news for umpteen years that Todd McFarlane has talked about doing this this movie. This movie's coming out. Spawn's going to be this lower budget, you know, horror movie, hardcore horror, blah, 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 blah. Well, it's finally happening. Um, and it, it's going to be released through Bloomhouse. Bloomhouse, the company behind Sinister and Insidious and Get Out. 
Um, and the director of the Spawn movie, surprisingly, will be one Mr. Todd McFarlane himself. Oh, God. Yes. Yeah. Oh, God. Because that worked out so well for Frank Miller in The Spirit. Yeah. <laughs> and Frank yeah. Miller in RoboCop 3. Oh, no, wait. He just wrote yeah. that one, I think. Um, yeah. Todd McFarlane yeah. directing the Spawn movie. Yeah, I'm I was hoping of... for I was hoping for more of a Robert Rodriguez connection than a uh, <laughs> than a creator owned connection. Um, I might have really cared in the nineties. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, but, it's, it's a little past its sell by date. Yeah, exactly. I know the book is still out there, but I don't read it. Yeesh. Well, yay for Todd. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the only thing the only thing that I'm excited about is Todd McFarlane's got the contract to make Star Trek toys. Yes. And, uh, you know, they've already they've already debuted two of the the action figures they are doing a Captain Kirk and a Captain Picard action figure. And they both look pretty sharp. Uh, and I will say that his company d- makes very nice looking toys, though they're not particularly durable. Correct. Yeah. I mean, his toys, they look incredible. They're for putting on a shelf. Right. Yeah. Which, you know. I do anyway, but well, I do like to I, I do like to play with them. <laughs> you know, the I don't leave them in a box. You know, <laughs> Aaron likes to play with Captain Kirk in the bathtub. Yeah, totally. <laughs> that, particularly the Mego one, where you can take his clothes off. <laughs> oh, good <know>. times. <laughs> well, you know, since we're talking about some movie news, let's hit on a couple of other movie-related topics. Which is that it was announced that Shazam is going to be coming as a movie, um, but for some reason will not actually feature Black Adam as The Rock, or The Rock as Black Adam. What? Um, yeah, he will not be in the Shazam movie, so I'm not entirely sure how that's going to work. Uh, however, um, it is going to be the next DC movie that we'll be shooting, um, and is, is going to be directed by David Sandberg. And if you are not familiar with David Sandberg, he is typically known as a horror director. He's directing that new Annabelle creation, which before you write it off, has a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, Annabelle creation? Yeah, it's an Annabelle prequel. Mm. Um, and he directed oh, thank the, you. Okay, I'm putting it together now. I got yeah, the, from the, the Conjuring. Yeah, okay. And uh, he is. He also previously directed the 2016 horror movie Lights Out, which I gotta tell you, is really damn good. So um, I don't know that how he fits into the Shazam mold, but um, I, I'm, I'm very curious about a Shazam movie. I think it's interesting that the... Black Adam's not in it, but, um, you know, I guess they want to kind of do their own thing with Black Adam since they got Dwayne Johnson to be in. So, huh. Huh. yeah, interesting. Yeah, I don't like the uh, the sound of them getting a horror director for it, for that character. Eh, you know, it could, it could just be that he's branching out. Yeah, I mean, to I a certain extent, that, they got a horror director for Aquaman, right? James Wan. Right. You know, he directed right. The Conjuring and, and those films, so... Yeah. But that fits more for the the way that they're doing Aquaman. The character doesn't look like a happy, fun character. Well, true. Yeah, it's Cal Drogo, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah where someone like, say, you know, Captain Marvel, Shazam, should be a fun character. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Well, interesting. I'm, I'm not put off. I'm not put off. I'm disappointed yeah. that uh, that uh, The Rock's not going to be in it. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I, I, can, I can live with this. The current rumor is that The Rock will debut as Black Adam in Man of Steel 2. Um, perhaps because they figure that'll be a, a bigger draw for, you know, to what? see him versus Superman. And a much more interesting villain than probably anything else they had in the hopper. True. You know? Yeah. 
Well, you know, you mentioned the dark characters, Wayne. Well, the Legion TV series, um, the showrunner there is uh, a, a gentleman named Noah Hawley. And he announced that he is developing a Doctor Doom movie for 20th Century Fox. I saw, that's the yes, thank you. Uh, I saw that. That looks fantastic. You know, I don't watch I, Legion. I am so thrilled. I, I am so that they're going to do a Doctor Doom movie. I don't watch it either, Paul. But I've heard it's really good. Yeah, yeah. I've not. I've not uh, seen Legion myself, but I, I'm excited about the 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 the. Pro- the proposed Doctor Doom film. Yeah, I would be very interested in that. But they've got to get the armor right. They've not gotten that right in the film. Yeah, you know, in the Fantastic Four movie, uh, that was that was not done correctly at all. Well, it was no in that one film. By, oh, the Harvey uh, Corman or the the Roger, Roger Corman, Corman film? film? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I. I it's sadly I, that was the best looking Doctor Doom. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think they need to go as close to the comic as they possibly can get. Agreed. You know, it it should not be. For instance, it shouldn't be shiny. It needs to look, you know, harsh. You know, it shouldn't it shouldn't look, uh, you know, chrome like a Cylon, right? It needs it needs to look harsh. It needs to look like it's it's a suit made of iron. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. I by the and you know with CGI, there's no reason why they can't make a great looking Doctor Doom suit of armor. I mean, yeah, but I, I mean, need look him at in Iron the hood. Man. I, yeah. yeah, I need him in the hood. I, I need the whole schmear. Agreed. I need I need him casting spells, not just uh, you know working working the science plots. You I know, mean, I need the full on Doctor Doom talking to Mephisto the whole bit. Yeah, I mean, guys, if you can do a Black Panther movie, then you can do a freaking Doctor Doom movie. They're like the same character, just different countries. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I totally see that. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people <laughs> talk about the trailer for uh, Black Panther. Am I the only one that isn't interested at all? Oh, I think oh, it was badass. Wait for Black Panther. <laughs> Black Panther is going to rock. I've never cared for the character, but oh, see, I love Black Panther. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. I, I watched the trailer. And I still it. I don't know. It just didn't interest me in any way. Oh, I'm so I'm all about Wakanda. I'm all about T'Challa. I love the backstory. I when uh, when they did that story with uh, him and and Storm hooking up from from the X Men and marrying, and they they did that whole plot in Wakanda. Those are great books. The books by Priest were fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, God, I mean, he's just, there's so many great stories. And do you remember, Paul, uh, it was back when uh, they had that Marvel Weekly book, um, Marvel Comics Presents, I think is what it was. Yeah. And they had that that weekly uh, uh, serialized story of Black Panther, and it was him fighting uh, bigotry in South Africa. Do you remember that? Yes, I think I do, actually. There- there is, you know, the, one of the ways that, you know, in the true story, uh, when they would, uh, uh, when the police would would kill uh, uh, revolutionaries there in South Africa, they would fill a a uh, an automobile tire up with gasoline, put it around the guy, and then light it. And there is this haunting image where they do that to Black Panther in that book. I mean, it is so it is such a powerfully written story. And I, if I recall correctly, it was illustrated by John Romita Jr. And I forget who wrote it, but it is it is a fantastic story. I miss Marvel Comics Presents. I used to really like that book. There were some good stories. And some of the, my favorite Wolverine stories came from there. Yeah. 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 I think, uh, you know, anthology books are just a hard sell nowadays. They are. They are. Well, moving from movies to TV news, they premiered a new trailer for The Defenders, 
um, and announced that it will be on all episodes will be released on August 18th. Oh, which gotta take that day off. <laughs> I've got like less than a month to watch Luke Cage and Iron Fist because Defenders looks awesome. I couldn't get through Luke Cage. I am working my way through Iron Fist. I Luke, Luke Cage uh, it ends well. Uh, Iron Fist is so bad, so yeah. bad. Luke Cage. My problem was just the pacing at the beginning. I just it's so boring for the first couple episodes. What I recommend doing is is kind of ignoring some of that pacing and just listening to the music because the music in that in, in that show is fantastic. Um, but uh, it, it does pick up and it does end really well. You just got to power okay. through it, Wayne. Yeah, I, I'm not looking forward to it, but I'll do my best. Well, I you know, Paul, I, I don't think you even need to watch Iron Fist to be brutally honest. I'm gonna I, give I can it a tell try. you everything. I can tell you exactly what you need to know about Iron Fist. Danny Rand is a wimp. He is a terrible martial artist. And uh, for some reason, he is the defender of Kunlun. <laughs> don't know reason. why they don't know why they picked. You know, I think they would have been better off picking Danny LaRusso from the Karate Kid. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I am enjoying about uh, Iron Fist, though? Uh, oh, the character's name is slipping my mind. The uh, the woman that runs the dojo. Oh, yeah. No, she's great. She's great. You're thinking of Colleen. Yes, Colleen. Colleen. Colleen and she, she, she's cute she's as a, a button, and she's a really good actress. Yeah, uh, she's incredible. And her fight scenes look good. No, they she do. She fights way more than Iron Fist. Everybody in the show fights better than Danny Rand. Everybody. <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> if Aunt May was in the show she would fight better than Danny Rand. Cause I mean, seriously, some of the worst, when you look at how strong the daredevil fighting is, uh, you know, in both seasons, even though there's some differences in each season, um, the Danny Rand stuff doesn't stand up and you just really expected that it was going to be much better than it was. Mm. You know, I, I watched, uh, uh, Kong of skull Island last night and the fight in the bar at the beginning of the movie is a much better choreographed scene than anything that happens in uh, Iron Fist. Wow, because I said the uh, the Colleen Wing stuff was incredible. Yeah, like when she's cage when she's cage fighting, that yeah. fight was great. Yeah, no, all of her stuff is good. All of her sword fighting is believable. Uh, Danny Rand, not so much. Hmm. Well, you know what else but- is kind of lame, Aaron? <laughs> uh oh, here we go. For Tell some godforsaken reason. When Young Justice returns to the new DC streaming service, they're going to put some new stupid character in it called Spoiler. And uh, I just don't (laughs) understand why. Yes, Young Justice Season 3 will feature the um, Spoiler as a a regular character. Oh, I'm so happy. (laughs) Paul, you have made my morning. They also announced that uh, Darkwing Duck is going to be on DuckTales. I don't know how that floats your boat, but... um... Such a big Darkwing (laughs) It seems to me like we need to start a letter-writing campaign to have Spoiler removed from the show. (laughs) Just erase her. Just white her out. So, Paul, I know you've seen some of the pictures I post to, like, Facebook. So you saw my picture with a Darkwing cosplayer at a con. And uh, I bought Darkwing spray paint art at uh, Metropolis this year huge Darkwing fan although I don't know I don't know what the voices are going to be like or what it's you know yeah. what the new DuckTales are really how they'll do Darkwing 
Yeah, I don't know how they're going to do Darkwing, but they I, I do enjoy what I've seen of the new DuckTales, which also premieres in August um, with a, a, a premiere movie. Um, I know that David Tennant is doing uh, the voice of Scrooge McDuck. I didn't mean to turn this into a DuckTales conversation, but I'm a big yeah. DuckTales fan. Um, I think it looks good. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm a, Duck, Scrooge McDuck is my favorite Disney character of all time, so I'm very excited about this. Um, I'm very sad that I was not able to go to D23 last week in, in uh, Anaheim because they had a giant full-size... Well, I wouldn't say full-size. They had a, a very large-size Scrooge McDuck money bin with uh, foam coins that you could jump in and swim around just like Scrooge McDuck. I missed out on that. I don't know how I would have felt jumping in at the end of the day after people had been jumping in it all day, because that seems kind of grody, <laughs> but uh, I, I would have done it anyway. Yeah, yeah. Well, since we're talking about animation, DC Animated announced their next four animated movies following Batman and Harley, which, um, if you don't know, uh, comes out, I believe, next month. Um, they're premiering it at San Diego Comic-Con, I think, this weekend. Um, however, they are also going to be showing it in movie theaters um, in August before it releases on Blu-ray and digital. Um, I may check it out, actually, uh, because I'm, I'm, I'm very excited for that film. Uh, but after that, the next four DC animated films, surprisingly, there's only one Batman film in the bunch. Um, and the Batman film is actually an adaptation of Batman Gotham by Gaslight. Ooh. You know, lots of folks consider that the first Ooh. Elseworlds tale uh, written yeah. by Brian Augustine, uh, drawn by Mike Mignola. Um, that will be uh, the next DC animated property. First look will probably be shown soon online because it'll be on the Batman and Harley Blu-ray. I wonder so, if you know, the, that... I wonder if they'll uh, if they'll emulate the Mignola style, because that's part of what's so wonderful about that book. Mm -hmm. You know, that could really start a trend, though, if they would go through and, you know, make animated films of some of the best of the Elseworlds stories, yep. like Superman, Red Sun, uh, the Batman one where he's, you know... A vampire. I can't remember. Yes, that's the exact one I was thinking of. Yeah, that one's a good one, Red Rain. Yes. Those would be really good movies. I mean, I liked uh, the Justice League Monsters one they did. Yeah, Gods and Monsters. So, yeah, I think they're... I, I hope this does well as well, because that gives them a whole universe of properties to uh, to reimagine. Yep. Um, after that will be Suicide Squad Hell to Pay. Um, unlike the previous Suicide Squad movie that was set in the Arkham universe, this is going to be set in the, the DC animated universe as the just same one as Justice League and Batman films and the Teen Titans films. Um, and so Suicide Squad Hell to Pay. So, meh. Um, but after yeah. that... <laughs> meh. After that, there will be two more animated films... A two-part animated film, much like that Dark Knight Returns two-parter. Are you ready for it? Yes, sir. The Death of Superman and Reign of the Supermen. Ooh. Oh. So they're going to revisit Do the Doomsday story, because you remember the, the previous Doomsday animated feature was terrible. Yes, but they are yeah. going to be doing a faithful adaptation, um, and that's why they wanted to do it in two oh. movies. That's exciting. Yeah, the fact that they're making it two movies gives me a lot of hope for it, that yeah. they'll do it right. Because the uh, the last one, Superman Doomsday, it, the Doomsday fight's only like right there at the beginning, and that's it. Oh, it terrible film. Yeah, terrible movie. Yeah. So, But I'm excited about... I mean, I'm, I'm you know mediocre on Suicide Squad. We'll see how it looks. But uh, I'm very excited about the rest of the movies and uh, Batman and Harley. So lots of good stuff coming from DC Animated. 
And some actual comic news came out of Comic-Con. No, that's crazy. It's, Who would do that? I, well, I, I mean, both Marvel and DC made announcements. I mean, it's I don't know why. I mean, it's not like it's a big deal or anything. Right, um, right. But Marvel announced as part of their legacy initiative that starting in... <laughs> spoiling the end of Secret Empire... Um, you know, that Captain America would be returning. As one does. As one does. Captain America will be returning to the Steve Rogers we know and love in November with Captain America number 695, written by Mark Wade with art by Chris Somney. Wow, just in time for issue 700. Wow, who would have seen that coming? Yeah. That's not predictable at all, Marvel Comics. (laughs) Wow, though. Mark Wade and Chris Somney together for Captain America. I, you know, Mark Wade did a run back in the early 2000s. It was right after um, right after Heroes Reborn mm-hmm. um, and during the Heroes Return good Initiative. It was a good run with Ron Garney on art. Yeah, it wasn't that defining run like Ed Brubaker had, but it was a good run. Yeah, it was. Just, I mean, it was a product of its time, right? Yeah, um, it, it was solid. But with yeah, Chris Sonny on art, I, I'm, I'm sold. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, those two, when they were, you know, those two together on Daredevil did my favorite Daredevil run ever. Well, of course, I'm not normally a big Daredevil fan, but seeing what they can do with Cap, oh yeah, I'm interested. Well, and so there's another news announcement that I'm stupid excited about, despite the fact that the team is interesting, uh, I- interesting in a, in a weird way. So DC Comics announced that, well, you know, since Marvel's not publishing a Fantastic Four book, we're going to make our own. Um, so DC is publishing a new book called The Terrifics. That will consist of Mr. Terrific, Metamorpho, (laughs) Phantom Girl, and Plastic Man. Yes, it consists of a genius, a girl who can turn invisible, a stretchy guy, and, um, you know, uh, uh, kind of a monster character. uh, Written by Jeff Lemire and the preview art, I don't know if he's actually going to be the artist on the book, Doc Shaner. Oh, wow, that's kind of hot. I'm actually stupid excited about this. Yeah, no, I'll read that book. I read that book. Um, you know, it seems like they're, you know, they're they're returning. They're saying Jeff Lemire is returning to DC for his new superhero quote family, titled The Terrifics. So they're definitely kind of pushing the the family Fantastic Four esque aspect of it. Um, that'll come out of the Dark Matter DC Metal storyline. So yeah, you I, know, it's been so long since I've had a good Fantastic Four story. It would be so ironic if a good one comes out of DC instead. Oh, that's the way to do it, right? Yeah. Well, hey, you know what? I mean, it, Jeff Lemire is a, a great writer. He he just ended his uh, Marvel exclusive contract, mm-hmm. and now he's at DC. And so, you know, uh, I, I'm I'm hopeful that that book is going to be good. There's there's some interesting stuff coming out of Dark Matter and Metal that uh, I'm I'm definitely curious about. Pretty exciting. Woo! And that was so, just the first two days of Comic Con. So comics. <laughs> Oh, did some comics come out this week? Oh, yeah. There's a couple of those things. Um, So this week, Superman number 27 came out, um, written by uh, Pete Tomasi and Pat Gleason. Um, They had a guest artist. And, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and give my thoughts super quick before I let you guys hop in. Um, This is Declaration Part 1. It featured a guest artist. Um, The artist is Scott Gottlewski. And guys, I hated this issue. <laughs> With the yes. heat of a thousand flames, I hated this issue. It, it felt like total filler. You know the worst part of it? It's part one. Yeah, part one. So I, 
I, I'm conflicted about this book. Um, <laughs> it it tells the kind of story that I really like, where it's just Superman hanging out with his family, mm-hmm. right? And I, I and, and I'm always saying these are the these are the kind of stories I really like, and I wish we spent more time in where it's Superman being a guy versus you know Superman out there you know saving the world. But oh my God, this book is preachy. Yeah, I mean. It's- propaganda hit you over the head with yeah. a hammer how yeah. about a little subtlety in your storytelling yeah it, it is very much you know this is this is why you know we love this this country this is i mean i think a little of that goes a long way uh but you know each of them picks they're going on a family vacation in an rv which i gotta tell you is a great setup for this for these characters lois clark and little john all in an RV, you know, driving cross country. That sounds like a hell of a lot of fun. Well, Aaron, they managed. I, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I just want to interrupt you super quick because you mentioned the RV aspect and, you know, how it starts off with them living on the farm. And all I could think of is, wait, they moved out of the farm like five issues ago. You're right. <laughs> yeah, I had the same problem. Like Hamilton it should not be their home well, anymore. And, and the cover, you know, the, the cover drawn by Lynn Weeks is gorgeous and it shows Superman and Superboy flying away from the house in Hamilton, you know, looking sadly over their shoulders, you know, with, with these, you know, mournful sort of fall colors behind them. Great cover, right? That's not what this story is about. No. <laughs> you know, this story really doesn't it isn't about them leaving Hamilton. It's about going still living in Hamilton, going on a family vacation. Um, I found it interesting that they timed this for Independence Day, July 4th, and it came out, you know, well after the Independence Day holiday, but it is it is wildly preachy, and you know to use uh, Wayne's term, yeah, it is it is borderline propaganda uh, around you know the, clearly the writer's perspective. Some of it I really got like I mean I liked. I liked the little bit of history that that Lois shares with us. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing is that Lois and Clark are taking this very educational uh, perspective in going to historic sites around the country with John. And, you know, that's what parents do. Parents take their kids to historic sites and teach them things, that kind of thing. But it just seems so very hit you over the head with a hammer. You know, this is this is why this is important. Maybe you should ask your teacher about this person. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I was uh, I, I was I was shocked at how how unartfully this story was written. And, you know, I get really annoyed when somebody wants to to highlight discrimination. Right. They want to tell you a story about someone who is being discriminated against, someone who is not being treated with the appropriate sensitivity or respect. And they they go so overboard in demonstrating that story that it's not believable. You're like, I would never see that in the real world. Nobody does that. Right. And the way that this homeless person is treated and he's a homeless war vet. Right. And, you know, Lois and Clark, you know, take up and defend him and invite him to dinner. Um, And but discrimination so many more times is much more subtle than that. And I think a a skillful writer would have told that story, you know, subtle discrimination versus this, you know, crazy uh, discrimination against, you know, a homeless war vet. I mean, I, I just 
Yeah. It seemed like something. And what really bothered me about it is that's not the sort of discrimination I see around uh, disabled war vets now. Uh, it's more in line with what you saw back in the 60s after the Vietnam uh, War, right, in the 60s and 70s, because you had such an overt, you know, uh, war is bad, army is bad, you know, the whole thing. That's not who we are as a nation anymore. Yeah, we discriminated against the homeless, but I I, I can't think of a person, uh, of any observation I have had of anyone discriminating against a war vet. I mean, it's, it's almost the opposite. I mean, how many people fall over themselves telling a, a war vet, thank you for your service? Yeah. You know? And so I, I just that, – that more than anything else in the story just bugged the living shit out of me because it, it just rang so insincere. You know? Yeah. I mean, I love patriotic Superman. <laughs> I love seeing him patriotic. But this just was so ridiculously over the top. And even – it would have been bad enough if this were just going to be, you know, okay, it's a it's a one part, you know, special Fourth of July issue. Yeah. But that's not what this is. This is part one. If I don't want to see more of this. If you're gonna tell a war vet story, you know, I want Superman to fly into a veteran's hospital and deliver some Kryptonian science to those guys. I want him to raise funding where we underfund the treatment of our war veterans. Because, you know, I, I, I'll get a little political on you. <laughs> I think it's shameful that we send our soldiers to war and then we don't take adequate care of them when they come home. I think that's shameful. I think that that is, I will absolutely own that that is something that this country doesn't do well. Um, and I would love to see Superman champion that because I don't think there's a whole lot of people who would object to that. But yet somehow that happens. But this – I feel like somebody saying, yes, we're demonstrating you know, an injustice and certainly discrimination is an injustice. I just don't think that this is prevalent. Yeah. I don't think that this is something that, that – you know, I, I feel like they're, they're trying to show you know, uh, you know, some horrible injustice and I'm, I think they created the injustice. Well, and here's the thing. When they do issues like this, usually they'll focus on one injustice. This is like a whole litany of them. You've got that. You've got the sexism. You've got – it's like – again, it's over the top and it feels like well, they're hitting you with a hammer. And you know No what? subtlety at all. Well, and there, there could have been some redemption. Like for instance, Clark is talking about the signing of the Declaration of Independence, you know? And there are Superman stories, you know, from back in the day where Superman's there. He has traveled in time and he's at the signing of the Declaration of Independence. I just would have loved for him to have made some kind of comment like, you know, I was there or that's not the way Ben Franklin dressed or, you know, some sort of, you know, insider's comment uh, that, that could have been made a little bit more fun. But, yeah, I, th I think they wasted a great opportunity. I think they would have been better off instead of, you know, hitting all, you know, four different story items in this, spending some time on one and making it more genuine. Yeah, I agree, Paul. I, I think that this this book was a steaming pile. What I liked about it is that it told the sort of story, it attempted to tell the sort of story that I really like, which is where Superman's just being a guy. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to make one more point, not to belabor this book. But, um, you know, this book, six-year-old Paul in 1985 would have loved this book. This is the type of these are the types of stories that we read a lot of back in the 70s and 80s, the, the preachy comic books. And, th and those were a product of their time. And I get, you know, if I was a kid 
maybe this would be the book for me. Maybe maybe this this book is written for the for for kids. And you know, I, I would never, I would never turn someone off to giving this specific comic book to their kids. However, I will say, as a regular reader of Superman, I wish this had been more of a um, Superman Fourth of July special. Then right. the fact that we had a fill-in issue last issue, we're going to have this probably two-part fill-in issues, and they certainly feel like fill-in issues. Well, yeah, and- like you're saying, Paul, it feels like this one seems like it was a kid's book. It, the writing quality is a low enough quality on it that I could have seen it being a one of those specials that they they make and like give out for free, mm-hmm. not a regular issue. And you know, I didn't. I don't think I uh, had ever mentioned last issue. I hated last issue too. Yeah, another fill in. Well, you know, there. I think that there is a place. You know, Lois tells the story of Deborah Sampson, who was a Revolutionary War fighter woman who dressed as a man and fought on behalf of uh, the American Revolution. Right. Um, I thought that was a, that was one page. And I thought that it was interesting information. I think it could have been shared a little bit more artfully. Um, but it's followed the, on the next page with everybody back in the RV driving in traffic. And John sees one of those coexist bumper stickers and asks what that means. And I mean, it is just – it is – there is no art. There is no style. There's no technique. It seemed very much like a Spidey super story. Yeah. But less entertaining. Yeah, very, very, very disappointing issue. Um, I, I, I got to be honest. I may actually skip the second part because I know I'm not going to like it. Yeah, and and I know it's not going to change the storyline or anything like that. So I may just hop back on with issue 29. I, I don't know. We'll see. Um, and and it's funny because Pete Tomasi is also the writer on Super Sons issue six, which came out this week, featuring mm-hmm. you know the the team up of Jonathan Kent and um and uh, Damian Wayne. Damian Wayne. Which, you know, shows Lois and Clark living in Metropolis, you know, came out the same week as Superman 27. So Uh there's your continuity for you, which just makes Superman number 27 certainly feel even more like something that was probably written a while back. Yeah. Um, But, you know, this features Damian Wayne uh, and introducing Superboy to the Teen Titans. What'd you guys think? Well, a much better book than Superman. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. uh, (laughs) You know, it is... I know it's different artists, um, but Lois and Clark are almost indistinguishable from the characters over in the other book. You know, they're not in the book a a great deal. But I mean, look at how Lois is dressed in in the pages of this book versus it's very, you know, uh, off the rack at Walmart sort of sort of styling over on in the Superman book. Right. But in Super Sons, she's kind of your hot mom. Right. Well, yeah, she's in the city now. Well, and she's got a belly shirt on and, uh, you know, very, very different than than what you saw on the other pages. Um, I, I liked this book. I, I, I was rather entertained by it. I like seeing the uh, how super, how uh, Superboy is cleaning up Metropolis by getting cats out of trees and, uh, you know, stopping people at crosswalks and Damien nearly scaring a man half to death about, uh, you know, jaywalking. Yeah. I loved Beast Boy's appearance. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big Beast Boy fan. I don't think any of us are. But I like that it's just, okay, here's a green cat. I'm not a Beast Boy fan. I'm a Changeling fan. Ah. 
Teen Titans, George Perez, Marv Wolfman. Old school, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I gotta say, my favorite part of this book is the fact that Lois made Jonathan lunch for yeah. superheroing. Uh-huh. <laughs> a little a little bag lunch, and it says super snack on it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. It was so funny. She's like, I I heard about all these colorful superhero stuff happening. It's like so patronizing. <laughs> but like not intentionally, it's like that mom patronizing yeah. thing. Right. Right. Um, there are there are some pages that I was very taken with. Um, the entrance of the Teen Titans with uh, Starfire and Aqualad and Raven walking in, I thought was beautifully drawn. Um, yes, I, absolutely. I, I, you know, I don't read Teen Titans. Um, I, I, it's not a lineup. It's not a lineup of characters that I particularly care for. But I will tell you, I was struck to see that Raven has red hair. Oh yeah. You know, I, I was like, when did that happen? And not that that's a big deal. I mean, women change their hair color all the time. But uh, I, I was a little surprised to see that. Yeah, I, but I, I, I don't know. I, I do appreciate that the villain in the story, Time Commander, wears his pants and wears his underpants on the outside. Yes. We don't get to see enough of that these days. <laughs> 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 and I appreciate it. I appreciate the homage. Well, an old man, Damian Wayne, spoiler. Uh, is just like the the ugliest old man I think I've ever seen. Yeah, he he looks like an Alfred E. Newman, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, the big old jug here. Yeah, Ross Perot is yeah. what he looks like. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like, ah, is that what Damian Wayne's going to look like in sixty years or seventy years? Yeah, he, he clearly got that's the Ra's al Ghul side of the family versus the uh, Bruce Wayne side. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. Spindly and not at all super heroic. No. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's the Willie Lumpkin version of Basically. Dame Queen. <laughs> but so did you like the book, Paul? I did. I enjoyed it quite a bit. And I, for me, the art was was just gorgeous. Um, I, I really, to your point about that first page, um, Jorge Jimenez is the artist. Um, mm-hmm. Just great stuff. Yeah. And, uh, you know, since we're talking about artists, last month or a couple weeks ago. No, last month. Because I think Aquaman is monthly. No, it's week. It's biweekly. I don't know. Anyway, a couple weeks ago, we had Thistledown John on the podcast to talk about Aquaman number 25, the first issue featuring art by Stefan Sayich, um, written by Dan Abnett. And he was, you know, the artist is what brought us back into the Aquaman book. We we both enjoyed issue 25. And now with issue 26 out, Aaron, what uh, did that you think? Mirror, that mirror cover by Stefan Sayich? Yes. Odd. Yes. <laughs> that, is a, that is a fantastic cover. Uh, I'm still in on this book. Uh, I thought the artwork was gorgeous. Uh, I'm, you know, I realized he is telling a. I, I didn't catch this last time, and I and I feel kind of foolish for not having caught it. But he is telling a a a royal courts insider story. He's yeah. telling a political drama under under the seas. Um, in fact, I realized it was reading more like Dune. <laughs> uh, than than anything else. I mean, you know, you've got all these different factions, um, you know, trying to gain control after you know the perceived death of the king. Um, you know, it, it really seems it seems like you've got Harkonnens and Benny Gesserits and and what all all vying for power. Um, and it really did remind me of of uh, David Lynch's Dune under the water. I could see that. You know, for me. Yeah. Um... I, I'm still in. I, I mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I prefer my Aquaman stories more super heroic, uh-huh. um, which is funny because, you know, when it comes to Black Panther, I prefer more of the political espionage. 
Right. Um, you know, but when it comes to Aquaman, you know, another King character, uh, I, I think I prefer Aquaman, you know, using the ocean, defending the ocean from the, the landlubbers, um, yeah. basically. Uh, so, you know, this political intrigue type stuff or, you know, like you said, kind of this um, royal court drama. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, but not as interesting, but not necessarily the Aquaman story that I would normally um, take to. But, yeah. you know, the, the stuff that Jeff Johns wrote when we started right. uh, the New 52, for example. I loved that arc. Right. Um, this arc I, I am enjoying. I'm not loving it. Uh, but mm-hmm. And I, I will say, one thing that bothered me to a little extent was you know this this cover with mira is wonderful right and and she comes to atlantis which is surrounded by a fortress and you know a she's force field jimmy force field yeah i'm sorry yeah. a force field the thorn of crown or the crown of thorns not the thorn of crowns the crown of thorns yes <laughs> and so basically they say you know nothing on earth can break it she's just going to wear herself out trying to break it and i'm like i was hopeful that i would flip the page and she would have busted through it because you know the, the fact that she's so badass and they make this big deal about her her you know basically assaulting atlantis just to kind of you know like neuter it by saying eh, she's just gonna wear herself out anyway she's not gonna do yeah. anything she's just basically punching at the shield for no reason you know for me i thought that 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 took a, a bit away from from her moment like let her be the badass let her be the one thing on earth that can break through this fortress with her telekinesis well i I'm sure this happened in stories that I didn't read. And, you know, I, I will wholly own that there is a great big chunk of the current Aquaman storyline that I've not read. But apparently Mira is much more badass than anybody ever a man uh, expected. Yes. So and and I dig that. One of the things that I also dig, and again, you know, I'm, I'm coming to the party late, but uh, they've really spent a lot of time considering the powers Right. Yeah. You know, her aqua kinetics and whatnot. Um, I, I I'm it really has further developed the the uh, characters in Atlantis than uh, previously. You know, I, I'm still having troubles with why people wear cloaks underwater. <laughs> but uh, but I, I'm really enjoying this book. I think I think it's a strong book. And, you know, I, you could take all the all the word bubbles out of it and just look at the Stape and Sage art and it's worth your time. Oh, yeah. Uh, the art is just gorgeous. Absolutely. And not to say that Dan Abnett's words aren't great. Like I said, very much enjoying the story. But, you know, there's one of the things that one of the bad guys has a a spy. In uh, amongst the people that Aquaman's uh, uh, chatting with, and the spy is a crab, and the crab is holding its claws a certain way, almost like a person would hold up their 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 thumbs together to demonstrate, you know, what it would look like through the lens of a camera, yeah. and it's casting that image back to the bad guy, and I'm like, well, that's brilliant. I mean, I just I loved how that looked, and I loved the placement. I mean, Stapen Sayich has a really cinema cinematic sense to how uh, he frames a panel, and I, I I just thought it worked really well. He's really come a long way uh, from his Dynamite Comics days or Image Comics days. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can really see him see his growth as an artist. I agree, and the fact that he's getting solid work with DC now, absolutely, yeah, yeah. good on that guy. Yep. Well, from Moving to the Marvel side of the camp, yes, we are actually going to talk about a Marvel book this week. <laughs> Crazy time. The Mighty Thor number 21 from Jason Arian and Valerio, I'm assuming it's Skitty, 
but it looks like shitty. Um, you know, it is released. It was released this week. The second part of the War Thor storyline. So, is it just you and me on this one, Paul? I believe so. Yep, uh, I had no idea why you guys were picking up a Thor book. Uh, well, this is our second issue in this in this uh, storyline that we picked up. Uh, we we talked about it last time. Volstagg is the War Thor picking up the the uh, Thor's hammer from the Ultimate Universe. And I got to tell you, totally digging this book, Paul. Oh, yeah. I didn't like I, I like the art on the previous issue more, I will say. Um, the Valerio shitty art. Uh-huh. <laughs> it, it wasn't <laughs> shitty, um, but uh, the art on the previous issue, which I believe was Russell Dodderman. Yeah. Um, was, you know, I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Russell Dodderman, so I, I enjoyed the art uh, significantly more in the, in the previous issue. But um, that being said... Uh, I, I, I am enjoying the storyline quite a bit. There is a scene in the book in which uh, the War Thor faces off against the Enchantress and Ulick the Troll. And I've always enjoyed Ulick the Troll. I love those those uh, troll knuckles that he wears, right? Yeah. When, uh, I, I, just, I, I think it's just a brilliant design. But she decides that you know she's just going to cast a spell and dispense with the War Thor. And so she's casting her spell. She says... Off to hell you go then. Give my regards to Thunderstrike, bitch. <laughs> I just, you know, I loves me some Thunderstrike. I feel like that was written to me. Uh, I, I'm just okay. You know, I'm not playing with this Enchantress chick anymore. Uh, yeah, I, I just, I was glad that that went down the way it did. I love that Ulick uh, tried to uh, punch Volstagg in the head, you know, punch the Warthor in the head. And his beard stopped it. Yeah. <laughs> What's that beard made of? It's made of war. Yeah. <laughs> Great book. Yeah, it is. And it, what's interesting is it seems like Volstagg is possessed by the hammer. Um, you know, that, that he is certainly acting out of character. Yeah. Uh, and, and he is aware of it. So I'm, I'm curious to see where the storyline goes. It, it, it's certainly a temporary thing. I'm sure by the yeah, end of the storyline that- we won't have a war, Thor. I will tell you that that's one of the things that disturbed me about the book is that, you know, oh, he's not in control. He realizes he's not in control. This is going to be a temporary thing because I really kind of need this to be an ongoing thing. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, still a a great book. Um, You know, one of my favorite scenes is where Thor tells Mjolnir to go to hell. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, he, he he sees the hammer coming for Jane Foster, who and it, it's killing Jane Foster every time she turns into Thor. It, it's accelerating well, it, her cancer. Yeah. But the, the good news is, is that when she turns into Thor, she doesn't have cancer. Yeah. So she could make the choice to just always be Thor. But she that's not she doesn't want to lose Jane Foster. Yeah. And so, you know, they, they announced that, um you know, when Thor continues in Marvel Legacy with issue 700. Um, it'll be the first arc. Uh, the first issue will be the start of um, the death of Thor arc. So I'm assuming Jane Foster is not long for this world. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Paul. Yes, sir. What's coming out next week? You know, um, Comixology has not updated their their new releases page yet for next week. There's pro- probably because there's so much going on this weekend in regards to San Diego Comic-Con. So next week, what you can be sure of is that we will be talking about the rest of the news that came out of San Diego Comic-Con this weekend. Um, you know, today 
after we record, they will be uh, the DC movie panel. Um, so I'm, I'm very curious to hear what's going to come out of that. Maybe some new Justice League footage. Uh, maybe some Batman news. Um, we shall see. Very exciting. So, Paul. Yes, sir. I hope you're I hope you're you're appropriately cooled down now. You know, after after your 105 degree excursion here in Texas this week. I'm still getting over it. <laughs> are you are you recovering? I'm still recovering. OK. All right. Well, you know, we worry about you. Well, I appreciate that. You know, you haven't been tempered in the flames of Texas. No, 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 I have not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Wayne. Yep. You have a good week. You too, Aaron. <laughs> Take care, folks. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.